Hey everyone, welcome to the Being Giant Show. I'm one of your hosts, Rochelle Verna, and this is a podcast for academics by academics. This week, I'm talking to Dr. Joyce Yeager, who's a co-host of this podcast. In this episode, we talk about her path into grad school, her experience doing her PhD, and a little bit about her future plans. We hope that you guys enjoy the episode. Well, hi, Joyce. Uh, well, hi, I, I should say hi, Dr. Yeager right <laughs> yep like <laughs> you know like I, I i keep forgetting that um like you, you know like you, you finish your phd and that like you are a full-blown doctor and you have like credentials and stuff i'll be forgetting <laughs> that sometimes but um oh, that's good <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for uh one in like embarking on this journey with me i feel like over the just within this year i have been throwing a lot of crazy ideas um, at you and you've handled them and entertained them like a champ so thank you oh thank you i am so happy and flattered that you were interested in discussing all your ideas with me and i'm so excited about this podcast yeah no me too i'm like i'm really excited uh to like one dig into your background a little bit you know to get like our our listeners to listen to how you have gotten to where you are today i feel like your uh your journey throughout academia has been a really interesting one and has, you know, been inspiring to me um, at times when I think about uh, how I want to navigate going forward in my own academic career. So, uh, yeah. So why don't you uh, tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself. So um, right now I'm a scientific editor and I think a lot of people know about scientific editing and like the publishing industry so obviously there's a lot of journals and they all have scientific editors but there's this whole other sphere that I didn't even know about until about six months ago where um, scientists whose native uh, language isn't English still want to publish in English language journals because for reasons basically of like colonialism and the things that go with it. I think, um, you know, a lot of the top journals with the highest impact factor are in English. So we have researchers all over the world who need a little bit of help making sure that their manuscripts are really clear before they're sent for publication. So right now I'm working for a small company that um, sends manuscripts out to freelancers and then um, yeah, so we edit the manuscripts, we find the best editor we can, and then we send it back to the client. So I do part-time freelance myself for manuscripts that I'm qualified to edit, and then I do a lot of admin work, um, picking out who the best editor is and quality control editing and things like that. Oh, okay, wow, that's that's pretty interesting. I I guess I, I'd never really thought about that aspect of uh, of publishing before because I mean my experience with academic papers is that well they're they're usually in English right so um, right. never it's, I think it's something Americans especially probably take for granted because it's a very easy like well, I just never even bothered to think about what what it's like for people who aren't native English speakers right right so it, well huh that it kind of adds like hearing this now it, it kind of adds like a an inch like an extra dimension to the whole like I guess issues with uh like publishing in in journals and stuff like that right because I mean you know the process uh is different for for different people right because right and 
there are additional fees. Oh, go ahead. Well, essentially, I was just going to say, like, you know, there you have, like, these different fees um, that you have to take into account <laughs> before you can even publish your paper. And I guess, like, getting your paper properly edited in English is just something that I'd never thought about. Yeah, and it's a really expensive service, too. So, like, there are definitely cheaper and more expensive editing companies, but ours, I think, is quite high-end. And so we get papers from really specific regions where there is a lot of research funding, and then we don't get uh, hardly any clients from areas where there's less research funding. So there's, like, automatically, you know, just taking into account, oh, there's less funding in a region for getting manuscripts sent for English polishing, basically, is like one tiny bit of the complexity of, um, yeah, regional challenges and getting your publications all the way through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, of course, you and I, we, uh, like we know each other from, from USC, uh, especially like during your time as a graduate student there and me, uh, as an undergrad and then uh, eventually as a graduate student too. Um, was this something that you saw yourself doing after finishing your PhD? No, not at all. So I had no idea that this job really existed. And then um, basically while I was finishing my PhD, I fell in love. And, uh, and then I was like, oh man, now I care a lot more about where I'm going to be living next. Um, so my partner, Ben, was living in New Zealand um, in Christchurch. So basically, I decided to move here after I finished um, about a year ago. And I had no idea what I was going to be doing for work. Um, so I, I, I had applied for a few postdocs and a lot of policy fellowships. Um, and then I was also kind of playing around locally in Christchurch, uh, networking in the sustainability sphere, just kind of wanting to learn more about the place in between science and policy, basically. And then the pandemic hit in March, and I hadn't gotten another job. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to get a job for like a year. Because I had already gone like nine months without a paycheck or something. Mm-hmm. And then my friend who's also looking for jobs, she sent me this one because the company is New Zealand based. And so I basically emailed my my now boss and um, found out that this company exists and then got the job. Um, but yeah, it definitely wasn't what I, it definitely wasn't something I had thought about doing before. Um, but it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, so you mentioned that like you, you emailed your now boss. So like, what was that? Like, how was it coming up with that email for for a job opportunity, right? Because, like, I feel like, you know, for most people, you know, applying, for, like, when, when, when it comes to looking for jobs, right, you're always looking for that application and stuff. So how was that experience like? It's quite funny because I had spent all this time doing really tough applications. We had to, like, write a lot, doing postdoc proposals that are, like, really time-consuming. And then this job which was advertised on Earthworks. Um, my friend just sent me and there was a little description and I emailed Aaron, my boss, just to say, oh, hey, can we talk on Skype just so I can learn more? I didn't even apply. And he was like, sure. So then 
he said yes let's talk on skype and he also sent me um three little test edits so that's something that we actually send to all of our applying freelance editors so we mm -hmm. just see like basically how much training they're going to need and, and if we can use them immediately they have a much higher chance of getting semi-hired by us but um so he sent me three test edits i did those kind of in a day and then we had a skype call and at the end of the skype call he was like okay well i'm considering six more people and i'll let you know by next week and I was really taken aback because I didn't even feel like I had applied for the job. I guess I had sent him my CV, but um, yeah. And then he ended up calling me and telling me he picked me like three days later. So it was the easiest application I did, I think, the entire year. And I think I applied to like 25 or 30 different things. Um, mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I wouldn't say that that's like a normal thing, but that's how I got this job. And then I had done all this networking and Christchurch that I mentioned. And now that kind of paid off now that we are out of lockdown here. I'm kind of in this circle now that's thinking a lot about um, climate change and what to do about that at like the community level. So even though I'm not really getting paid for that work, I still kind of got to get a get my hands into basically what's going on here through all that networking so mm. yeah mm -hmm. well um well i think uh like not receiving a paycheck for about nine months i think that's a scary place to be so i am very happy to you know i'm very happy that you you were able to find this job at the time that you were able to um find it and stuff because i mean you and i we were having conversations and stuff and even i myself was going through some of the same things that you were going through and it you know i i definitely think it was a you know a a scary position to be in um but how do you feel like now do you feel like you know you're you're less stressed out like you can like you, you're a lot calmer you can think about things in a much clearer way now yeah totally because i think you know it ended up being almost exactly 12 months without a paycheck and i think just the not knowing you're like is it going to be one more month that i need to like stretch my savings or is it going to be forever because you know when you're in that job searching mindset and you're getting rejected all the time you're like uh, it's totally possible no one will ever hire me and i'll need to make this like meager savings account last the rest of my life or at least i felt like my mind would like go places like that so yeah, it definitely is like a huge stress relief. And I think at the like for that year, and I'm, I still am, I was like trying to get some of my um, work published from grad school. And I think I made more progress after mm -hmm. I got the job than I did when I was looking for jobs just because of the stress level. Mm, okay, 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 good, good. So in the end, I mean, you know, it, it all worked out. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of grad school, um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, both of us uh, went to USC for, for grad school and stuff. Uh, what was that like for you? Like, what were you focused on, like, for your research? Um, so my research was on the Triassic-Jurassic boundary. So this is a 200 million year ago time period. And basically my work um, is documenting the change in the marine environment 
through time. So there's a mass extinction associated with this time period, and it's from the eruption of tons and tons of volcanoes. And mm -hmm. that is, you know, in a natural world, the main source of CO2 to the atmosphere is volcanic. So if you have way more volcanoes than normal, then you get way more CO2 in the atmosphere. And so it ended up in like a similar situation to what we have today, where there's global warming, there's ocean acidification, and then the effects from that were uh, loss of oxygen in the ocean or ocean anoxia, and the really massive disruption to the terrestrial and marine biospheres and a mass extinction. Um, so that's what I was working on. I went to several um, sections where there's sedimentary rocks that were deposited in the ocean and then later uplifted. And you can go and sample those and you're basically getting a snapshot uh, through time of changes in uh, marine chemistry and marine life. Okay, that, so, that's pretty dope. Yeah. Well, did you, uh, like when you were entering grad school, right? Like, did you have that area of research? Like, was, was that like, you know, at the top of your list of things that you wanted to do? Like, did you know that's what you wanted to do when you entered grad school? I did. So I, I basically applied to USC because um, I was really interested in kind of paleo work. And I remember when I first met Dave Botcher, who uh, would become my advisor, he was like, oh, yeah, we're thinking of putting together a big grant proposal to work on the Triassic-Jurassic boundary. It's a mass extinction. Here's some things about it. And I was like, man, that sounds really cool. And I think at the time, that was my senior year of undergrad, and I didn't know how hypothetical like submitting and obtaining that grant was. But anyways, mm -hmm. they ended up getting it the, you know, but right before I ended up coming to USC. And so I did know mm -hmm. that I'd be working on that project basically when I walked in the door. Um, but what I didn't, what I couldn't ha have any control on was the, yeah, the project got funded, and so there was money for me to do all kinds of work um, that wouldn't have been the case without that grant. So, yeah, I did know I was going to work on that, and it was very awesome that they got the grant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's, that's awesome. I mean, speaking of money, I mean, like, money is really important uh, in grad school. I feel like I, I didn't, me personally, I didn't really realize how important um it was up until I started applying for graduate programs myself when I was coming out of undergrad. So my question, my next question to you uh, would be, what was the grad application cycle, you know, like to you? Like, well, for you? Sure. So yeah, the application cycle for me, I had been a part of a really small, um, geology department in undergrad, in addition to being in the marine science and biology departments. But um, I went to the University of Miami for undergrad, and at UM, the undergrad geology department was separate from Rasmus, the Rosensteel School. So it was really tiny, close-knit. We got a lot of attention, and we were really encouraged to go to grad school. So I had two or three close friends apply and get into PhD programs the year before, and I think that really was like a blueprint for me applying. So then my senior year, I started applying and um, I had done 
um, like a really big range of undergraduate research and coursework. So I worked in, I did like some fisheries and some coral reef ecology, like cryptic fauna, so really small animals that live on coral reef um, that you have trouble seeing. I did um, like the microbiome of corals. I did um, mycorrhizal fungi and like the symbiosis with um, plants. So I had a big range and a big range of interests. And so I applied to like several geobio programs and several paleontology programs and maybe a couple more for grad school. Um, just kind of like throwing my hat all over the place. Um, so the, the process was a bit of a crapshoot, to be honest. And then I went and spoke to some of these professors and, um, like I, I did this road trip with my grandma through California to hit three schools so I could meet the faculty that I thought I might want to work with before I think I even submitted my application. So that kind of ran, ran the, just those three schools ran the range and experience kind of, because one guy I talked to was like, I don't really want grad students because I don't want to go home at night and wonder if my grad student's able to feed themselves while I'm hanging out with my family. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so I didn't apply to work with him. And then um, I met my, like, who, my, Dave Botcher who would end up being my graduate advisor. Um, and I think USC does a really good job in the earth science department making sure their PhD students are funded. So I can't. I think that everyone's guaranteed five years of funding. They kind of cobble it together from different places, but um, so that was a pretty big deal. And then I talked to someone else who was like, oh yeah, I think I could take you. And then he later was like, oh, sorry, like my grad students aren't finishing. I don't have funding for another one. So maybe that was a nice way of letting me down. Maybe that was true, but um, yeah, the funding situation was definitely, I mean, I got lucky because I think like USC admitted me and maybe I would have gotten even if the funding situation wasn't as good, but um, it was great. I mean, and by funding, I mean, there's like a, basically like a deal made, like, okay, we're gonna pay you, um, it's not technically a salary, but it's like a salary, we're gonna pay you monthly, it's gonna be enough for you to pay rent and eat in LA, and maybe do a few other things. And then, um, you know, your tuition is covered, you're never gonna see a bill for that, and, we want you fully focused on this while you're here. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, first off, one shout out to your grandma because you know she's the real MVP. You know, embarking on this <laughs> yeah. uh, a road trip with you because you're from Texas, right? I am, yeah. Okay, so that's like, gosh, how long was that drive, by the way? <laughs> like the initial drive to get to uh, to to California in the first place. We probably we probably flew out there, but we drove from yeah, like San Diego to the Bay Area. Um, so it's not a quick drive. I mean, my grandma is like not like most grandmas, so she <laughs> could she could do it today. She could definitely drive from Texas to LA today too. Oh, oh man, so, <laughs> um, yeah, it's like so six or seven years ago when this was, it was like not even a question. Can can she handle it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, real life goals there. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that when you were like applying to grad schools and stuff you, you you had like different areas of interest for for research um was it difficult to like do your applications w you know with that 
like with that being a thing essentially like was it hard to like get you know your to like explain yourself but then at the same time to also like you know tell your you know the people who you were having write you letters of recommendations like okay hey I'm kind of like interested in like these different things I guess like what I'm asking is like you know was there some complications you know regarding that you know I didn't feel like it was a complication and I've definitely heard undergrads say I'm worried because I want to do x but I've been doing y in undergrad um but I don't you know I don't think it's much of something to worry about because in grad school they're going to train you for you know what you end up doing that's the the deal and like for undergraduate research what you really want to show is like I at least kind of understand how research works. I have done a little bit of it. I know a little bit about what to expect. I don't think you can ever fully expect coming from undergrad straight to a PhD program what it's going to be like, but they just want to know that like you've at least tried to get some experience and that you're going to be into it. And I think there's like a whole spectrum of people like I think some people might find what they're really interested in really early on in undergrad and they may go and do a PhD program for that and then sometimes those people get more and more focused through time so there's some people who are like super world experts in like one proxy in geochemistry or something and that's a totally great route and then there's other people like me who come from a broad background who have a lot of interests in a lot of different things and I mean, I think I'm kind of have kind of stayed broad and continue to want to stay broad. Like, I think it's actually, I mean, maybe I'm not the right person to be. I, I hope no one's taking advice from this because <laughs> I don't have a postdoc now. And like, I probably would if I had done exactly what I had been doing or if I had wanted to do exactly what I'd been doing mm-hmm. in grad school. But I was really interested in like going a different direction scientifically or into the policy so yeah I think people just have different um different preferences for what they want to do I mean some people just get bored I think doing one thing Mm -hmm. and then some people really want to be the best and you cannot be the best very easily if you're have your hands in like 10 different things Mm -hmm. um so yeah I don't think it was really I don't think it complicated applying really for me mm-hmm. and it was just very much like my mindset um and what I like knew about but yeah I think it was okay 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 cool and did you did you go straight into grad school from undergrad or did you take a little break I pretty much went straight in I mean I graduated in May 2013 from UM and then I started at USC in August 2013 so I wouldn't call that a break, but I do remember uh, Dave asking me if I could come over the summer and like, so like a, a little bit earlier than August. And I, mm-hmm. I said no, because I did want like a little summer break. Um, but yeah, I didn't take time off. And I think I probably would have done well with time off, but that mm-hmm. didn't happen and it's okay. But I feel like if, if anyone like thinks that they would want time off, I would say do it because grad school is just like such a slog it's really nice if you feel really like energized and ready for it I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well like through, while you were doing your PhD and stuff uh how were you able to like manage like fatigue 
and stuff like was it easy for you to take you know some time off if you if you needed to Mm. (laughs) kind of uh (laughs) i mean the good thing (laughs) is like i like i don't ever remember someone saying no to me about when i was like oh i need to take some time off um but i did i I was and I somewhat continue to be a bit of a binge worker, which is not great, but it means like I would do stuff like do like three really intense weeks of lab work of like horrible hours that I wouldn't tell anyone to do, you know, and then um, and it would be because I like I would like plan a trip or something like let's say I have a trip for October 1st and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get this piece of this project done before I leave. Um, that actually tends to work really well for me because it means I have like a deadline, even though the deadline is kind of like not real. It's like because I'm like working towards something temporally, it really helped me get things done. So and then that would really like then I could like take a week or two off and be like, well, I made this big push. So I don't really feel like I need to be tinkering too much while I'm gone, even though I think there's definitely still some working while I was gone. Not that that's a good thing, but that's what was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, so travel and, like, taking time off for me was definitely, like, my main outlet and my main, like, uh, way to stay sane. And then, like, like when I first entered grad school, I really had no idea how to, like, work-life balance or really time manage because you're coming from undergrad Mm -hmm. where you're used to, like, you know, working hard, and then you've got midterms, you've got, like, a couple hard weeks, and then, you you know, the, at the end of the semester, you have this, like, horrible, like, finals-taking experience, and then you're kind of, like, dropping it for a couple months, but in mm-hmm. grad school, you have some piece of that, especially early on, where you have exams and stuff, and then you also have, like, a, a normal job component to it, And so, like, I think for the people who are coming straight from undergrad and haven't had, like, a proper full-time job before, it's really hard to figure out how to not, like, drive yourself immediately into the ground with this, like, very nebulous, massive workload. Um, So, yeah, I mean, eventually in grad school, I would, like, figure out how I figured out how to be like, okay, here's the amount of time I can, like, work really well each day and, like got it a little more balanced weekends became really sacred but yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay so yeah that, that, that was gonna be my next question to you is just like okay how did you figure out like the the work-life balance thing <laughs> yeah I mean it was tough and I think it's really different for everyone but yeah it was just a lot of trial and error for me and especially like once you're done taking classes and I didn't have to teach very much at the end either so it really became mm-hmm. like me figuring out when I work best and how I work best. So like my last year or two, I would like wake up in the morning early, work for like four or five hours, um, cause that's kind of my peak productivity time. And that'd be like a lot mm-hmm. of writing or whatever, something that like needs a lot of focus. And I'd work from home because it was like distraction free. And then I'd eat mm-hmm. lunch at home and then bike in to USC, which was just like a really fun like midday thing. And then I'd like do meetings and lab work and like putz around a little bit at USC in the afternoon and then bike home. That was like the the best for me. And then I like just started to treat weekends as kind of sacred. It was very mm-hmm. hard for me to um 
it was it, it's kind of like all or nothing for me I guess like if I start working on the weekends then suddenly you're like driving yourself into the ground because you're never taking a break but if you take a week for me if I took a weekend off every weekend then I was like a lot more fresh for the rest of the week right right no I, I totally understand um where you're coming from with the the whole weekends thing uh the whole weekend thing um I think it's still something that I'm still struggling with but I have gotten a lot better with uh over the the last couple of years and stuff because when I first started undergrad myself I was really on this like bang 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 schedule where like I'm like I'm doing classwork and then like I'm working this part-time job but then I have to like you know come home and study and you know and do homework and stuff so for me early on I guess like I had the energy to kind of withstand that every day to the point where it was like to the point it was to the point where like every day I had something to do every day of the week I had something to do so I I didn't really have um like an opportunity for like you know proper rest and then I started realizing like when I I guess like towards the tail end of undergrad for myself and then once I got into like grad school I realized that like I couldn't operate that way because like now my performance is like it's it's affecting my performance right like I can't I can't think clearly and stuff like that so self-care is like a major thing yeah and I think if you're like just taking classes it's a lot easier to to like coast especially in undergrad I found like I could kind of coast and like run myself into the ground and then once you're doing proper work like you said it's like your work starts to suffer if you're not rested Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah well outside of like taking courses and doing research um I know that you were doing a little bit of mentoring throughout grad school so why don't you tell me how that came about and you know how do you enjoy it sure um so at USC maybe like like five or ten years before I started the a couple of women in the earth science department had created this thing called the Young Researchers Program. Um, mm-hmm. So this is like a mentoring program where we had PhD student mentors and high school students from the area um, come in for basically like mini summer internships. So they had started this program and I got involved in helping run it. So I'd go to the high schools and recruit, like give a little presentation and, and then try to get applicants um, to apply and so I twice mentored high school students um, so it's like a six-week program where there's maybe like 10 or 15 students so we find 10 or 15 PhD students pair them with high school students and then they work on a dedicated project for six weeks that's basically a component of the PhD students project so it's brand new research and then we teach them how to like analyze the data make a poster and then they do a poster presentation at the end So Mm -hmm. I think that was one of my first mentoring experiences. I mean, and also kind of in the midst of that, there was an undergrad student who was working in one of the labs I was working in. And I guess I should say I ended up with like four advisors in grad school, which we can talk about later. But anyways, Mm -hmm. in this one lab, there was an undergrad student um, and she was already working on things. And I mean, at that stage, early in grad school, we were more like equals. So we were just kind of working on projects. I was like helping her. Um, I think we were doing some method development work for a project that I was already 
kind of doing we like we found a problem in a method and then she was helping do the the method development and then I was um, using a method that was working on the samples I was working on so we were kind of working together and then I did the two uh, young researchers program YRP mentoring experiences or like you know I did that and then like I think like the really big mentoring thing I did that you probably know more about is um, with Peter, so basically my, my friend Audra, who I was sharing an office with, she was mm -hmm. meeting about something like completely different, like um, with an undergraduate student in the department, and he mentioned during the meeting like, oh, I'm looking for experience in the lab, and I think at the time I was looking for help in the lab, and so I think mm -hmm. I turned around and I was like, I have something for you. So <laughs> Peter and I ended up working together for like two or three years, so, and by then I kind of knew what I was doing, so I could like really help him, and like we did a lot, we did a ton of work together, um, and yeah, I mean, that was really fun. That, that is probably one of the most fun and most rewarding things that I did in grad school, especially like now he's in a PhD program and he did a really good job finding one that's a, a really good fit for him. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I mean, like a lot of people at the end, I was like, don't do it. It's terrible. <laughs> um, and now I, now I'm glad I did, of course. And I'm glad he did too. But yeah, so it's just like a very, uh, it was like a great working relationship to have someone that I was like helping and that was helping me so much and like a, a yeah, extremely rewarding experience. Mm -hmm. Was mentoring something that you were interested in, like that you thought that you would, you, you would want to do uh, at some point in your career when you were coming out of undergrad? Um, I can't remember if I had explicitly thought about it. I definitely had a really good PhD student mentor my last year of undergrad that really was helpful to me and gave me a lot of good advice. So I think that was probably on my mind. But mm -hmm. I had I had taught or TA'd two or three, three labs during undergrad. So I feel like I was much more thinking about teaching when I entered grad school than I was about mentoring. Um, mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, speaking of, uh, of mentors, now you just told me that you ended up with about four undergrad advisors. Uh, so, graduate, but yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Sorry. Graduate advisors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how did that work? What was that? Uh, what was that experience like? Um, I mean, it ended up being really great. So I guess like some backstory is I mentioned earlier that there, that my advisor got this grant Right. And he had written it with like five or six or seven people in the department at USC. Mm -hmm. And so they were all working together and like we all or like four four people especially were like very involved. And we all went to the field together a year after my first year of grad school to like collect samples. And I had started grad school thinking I would do more paleontology. Um, mm -hmm. mostly to be honest, because I had just got done really well in that class in undergrad and also I TA'd it later. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm really good at this. Like I'll do this for grad school. Um, and then I, I, but I didn't even have a geochemistry class in undergrad and I didn't know much about it. And then I started taking classes in grad school and I started working on this project and, um, started doing a little bit of geochemistry work. And anyways, I ended up really liking it. 
And so I kind of spread myself out to the people on this project. So there's like a sedimentologist, a paleontologist, and a couple of geochemists. And I kind of like took them all as my mm-hmm. advisors, um, which it was it was a strange process. And but it really worked out well for me. I mean, anyone who's gone through grad school or like any mentoring knows that like you can kind of get like really worried I guess about your mentor and like what they're thinking and like if you're doing a good enough job and then you're kind of it's such a long relationship too that it's changing a lot through time and you're mm-hmm. um you're kind of navigating it you're not always understanding each other correctly it can be frustrating at times it can be really awesome at times so anyways like especially earlier on, I found it extremely hard to work with all of them. And I felt like I was getting so many ideas. Like right. you can often in science, like someone will say like, oh, why don't you just go do this? And they'll always say it like that, like just go do this as if it's going to take you like 30 minutes. And then it balloons <laughs> into this like three month ordeal that you're like stressing out about. And you're like, well, they said it like that. So like maybe I'm just an idiot and like should have been able to do it in half an hour. Um, so it, you have more chances of that happening, the more people you're getting that information from. So that was a bit hard. But then, I mean, by the end, I felt I really knew how to work with all of them in like a really healthy, productive, enjoyable way. I felt like I got a lot more out of my project and that the project really did better because of all of them, like my involvement with all of them. I felt like I got an interdisciplinary experience that I really wanted. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it was it was a little bit crazy at first. Like, I think if you had talked to me in my second year, I would have been like, oh, it's horrible. Like, don't do it. But then I, you know, by the end, I'm like, oh, it's perfect. Like, why? I wouldn't have done it any other way. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, I know that, like, you know, when you applied uh, for USC, you know, you specifically applied to, to work with, with Dave. Mm-hmm. So what was that process like with him, um, you know, like when you realize that like oh, okay you know you're interested in working with additional researchers as well was that something that he was super on board with or like what was that like yeah he was pretty cool with it but I think part of that is because like these four people I'm talking about are all buddies also so <laughs> it might have been a really different experience if you know not everyone gets along so yeah and also I feel like you know, there's pros and cons to any department. One of the pros in the earth science department at USC, at least in like the part of the department I was really involved in, is that people get along really well. They're really collaborative and like people are really fine with like letting their students go work in someone else's lab, letting other students come work in the lab. So like it starts like that. It was like, oh, I started by like crushing samples in Josh's lab with his lawnmower because like Dave didn't have one. And then I was like, oh, we need someone to make these measurements and like Joyce can do it. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And that's mm-hmm. also happening in Josh's lab. And then like thin sections are happening in Frank's lab and like carbon isotope measurements are working in like happening in Will's ooh, lab. So it's like kind of starts like that. And then suddenly everyone's kind of involved. But I don't think that that is the case everywhere at all. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people, the advisors don't get along. Sometimes 
the space just isn't shared in the same way. Right. But I would say it's really good for students if the environment is like as collaborative as possible and as minimally like sectioned off as possible because it just allows people to really go in more directions and like go follow their interests. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you, you feel like as a result of that, you ended up becoming like a, a much more well-rounded scientist. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And got to, I mean, I feel like um, it's different, different places, but like something you hear sometimes about like an American PhD versus like a PhD elsewhere is that there's like the American PhDs often take longer, like two or three years more than like a PhD in Europe. But one of the mm-hmm. reasons is because they tend to like be more meandering. Like you start off and you're kind of like putzing around for a couple of years and like on this weird vision quest. And then like finally you kind of find a project. Whereas other places, I mean, and I'm not saying this is like really a an America, Europe like difference, but it, it's kind of sometimes um, talked about like that. Sometimes you have like, oh, we have a PhD project ready for you. Come apply to work on it it's this you're gonna do boron isotopes across like some boundary and so it's much more like plug and play and so you you waste a lot less time but not waste but you spend less time um but like so just like in in my experience in going to a program where there was a lot of time to kind of like go around and like figure it all out the more exploratory room you have the more value you can get out of that time or at least that's my experience Okay. No, I uh speaking of uh like uh I guess like PhDs uh in Europe. Like in my experience when like when I was considering uh PhD programs abroad, like I, the way they would present their projects is as if it was like a job posting. It's like, right. "Hey, yeah, like come in a like, you know, if you're interested in like doing this type of work, well, you know, here's what you'd be doing, you know, in this position. And, you know, it, they'll also even tell you, like, what are some of the skill sets that they're looking, um, you know, for, for someone to have in order to be able to do that project, which in a way for me, I feel like is kind of, which is, I think it's a major plus because, mm-hmm. right, it, it kind of gives you, like, some direction, you mm-hmm. know, like some more direction on how you can like make yourself stand out like what are some of the additional things that you you know you would need to do in order to make yourself successful because mm-hmm. i mean like ultimately like you know those are skill sets you would probably you know need in order to you know do research anywhere where you know that work is being done whether it be in europe or it be um in the united states so yeah i guess the i th- i think that's a good point but i also think like i mean at least a lot of people who are looking at job postings, myself very much included, sometimes I'm going to see a list of things and I'm going to be like, well, I know mm-hmm. I can learn that, but I don't know it now. So I guess I'm not going to apply. So I guess that's a, a con to having like the posting, the job posting style PhD projects. I mean, but yeah. And then I guess. That's true. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good point. Right. Yeah. But usually... it is. Re- oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'm just thinking out loud now, but it, it is also the case that a lot of times students from Europe have masters already, so they might mm-hmm. have more, one, skills, and two, more knowledge about, like, what they want to do next, whereas if I had had to apply to, like, a, um, a PhD program with, like, a set amount of skills 
in from undergrad, I think then I would have ran into your question earlier of like, well, you have like all these different experiences, like what are they really accumulate? Like what are they really amounting to? Mm-hmm. I would be like, oh, I can do like gut content analysis of fish and like <laughs> um, a little bit of like DNA work and um, yeah. So and like, yeah, yeah. So interesting. Yeah, it's just a different style. And I mean, I guess the nice thing is like, can always <laughs> I guess you have to pick one but <laughs> you can always right. choose which one is best for you this is this is true I mean like yeah. it you know in my experience with like you know look, looking for jobs and then like looking at you know different PhD projects and stuff you know usually when they do put like you know when you get to like the you know required skills section right you know they'll just list everything under the sun so usually like a rule of thumb for me is like listen if I could do like three to four of these things then listen you're getting my application like at this point it doesn't even matter <laughs> yeah it's a very good point a good a good rule of thumb mm-hmm. I know and I I forget sometimes it's like a wish list and not like a you must because it's possible that no one in the world has all this skill list sometimes yeah yeah now you mentioned earlier that um you you haven't you know you have an interest in uh working on you know the problem of climate change and also you're interested in in policy so my question to you regarding that is one how did that interest develop and you know where do you see yourself going forward when it comes to that mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's best to go, like, way back <laughs> to answer mm-hmm. that question, which is, like, when I was a kid, I was super interested in animals, like, from my earliest memories, just, like, very interested in animals, not just, like, big animals, but little animals and things that lived in the ocean in particular. And my freshman year of high school, I had um, a biology teacher was really really awesome um and he kind like that class was super rigorous and like taught me a ton and um that's when I really started thinking like oh I probably want to do science when I grow up and then the same teacher like this is a public school and he would take 50 kids to Hawaii every summer for a month and like wow yeah we would like be traveling like every three or four days so like picture you know a bunch of like 16 to 17 year olds and like eight suburbans with like some chaperones just like running around for different islands in Hawaii like hiking and scuba diving snorkeling kayaking like all kinds of things um and that was like an environmental science class where we were learning about basically how the Hawaiian islands um, history and geology had shaped the fauna that lived there and how evolution is shaping that. And um, that just really blew my mind wide open. And so then I was like, okay, I'm going to do, yeah, I mean, yeah. And then also, I mean, already then he was telling us about like um, water cycle problems and climate change, you know, and this is like, 2005-ish my freshman year of high school and he was like look we really like to talk about climate change and that was kind of before it was like a mainstream idea and but he like brought a very convincing argument and then we started talking about like loss of biodiversity there was a lot of talk about that in this um hawaii month like 
how introduced species in Hawaii that were like introduced for different reasons why people had like decimated basically the native wildlife in some cases. And so it was like something I was really thinking about when I went into undergrad. And then, I mean, unfortunately, like the nature of marine science, uh, which is what I, yeah, I did marine science, biology and geology in undergrad. And like the nature of marine science is that you're in a lot of cases documenting massive rapid change of the planet from climate change like I feel like almost everyone is kind of by nature of what the planet is doing documenting that and so I got really like concerned about climate change or it was just like always an increasing concern and um, I when it came to applying for grad schools I actually was like so sad about modern climate change that I was like, oh, it'd be great to like work in the past at, on climate change that like wasn't our fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's actually how I really ended up doing like the Triassic Jurassic boundary work and getting interested in that. But um, yeah, and then during grad school, it's not like climate change is like going away. So then we're sitting in classes and like feeling quite depressed about like how rapid modern climate change is compared to past climate change it's like orders of magnitude faster now and then my friend had gone who was like already very I guess maybe more policy thinking like one Mm -hmm. of my lab mates he went and he did like a workshop in DC where they were like helping um, grad students start science policy groups on their campuses and so he came back and he's like I'm gonna do this he like sent an email and was like, does anyone want to help? I was like, sure, because <laughs> I was like interested, but I definitely didn't have like a lot of knowledge about science policy to begin with. And so mm-hmm. like at the beginning of that group, it was about like, how does this work? Why, like, I think at that time I was like, why don't policymakers just listen to us and like cut carbon, like what's going on here? And so, yeah, that's how I got involved in that group and then started learning more and more. Um, yeah, and now I guess I'm still kind of straddling like my interest space of like I, I really like science and I enjoy it, but also I'm so, so concerned about climate change and like I'm still trying to figure out like where I am like the happiest and like can do the most good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I personally believe that's like, you know, that, that that's like a really good place to be because like, I mean, I, I believe that like if there are going to be officials who are making decisions you know important decisions you know regarding like climate change and other important aspects of like you know modern day society that you know it'd be a good thing to have someone with like the subject matter you know expertise you know to sit there also and like you know provide well-informed uh opinions to to you know to help facilitate uh you know the decision making process when it comes to different policies and stuff. So, yeah. So like, so now, you you know, you've done, you've done your PhD and stuff. You, you know, you have these different things that, you know, you're interested in and stuff like that. Um, how do you see yourself navigating, uh, going forward with your, with your career? Hmm. I guess. Or like, what are some of the things you're thinking about? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting because in some ways, like my academic history up to like a year ago was very like 
a lot of people haven't, right? A lot of people go straight from high school to undergrad for your program and then go straight to PhD programs in earth science, especially. Like, that's quite a classic academic route. And then the next step, if I had stayed on that route, would have been to get a postdoc for a couple of years and to be applying to faculty jobs. Um, but kind of because of the science policy interest and also because of like some life event things, I kind of like took a pause and was like, is this actually the direction I want to go? I'm really interested in policy. So yeah, I think in the last year, I've kind of transitioned from feeling like I had to choose like policy or science to more of a perspective of like, I'm gonna do both for now mm -hmm. in whatever way I can. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right now I'm still looking to see if I wanna do a policy fellowship or um, get a postdoc or something in between. And I'm like, on, I'm like involved locally here in Christchurch and some projects, um, that are kind of in the in-between community space. And I mm -hmm. guess right now I, I kind of have calmed down a little bit. And now I'm like, it's going to be fine. I get to pick what I, you know, do next. I can like change directions when I want to. Mm -hmm. um, I can kind of like make this what I want. So I'm, I guess I'm just kind of at peace with like not exactly knowing like what my next step will be, but I'm also like, okay, I am doing things I'm really interested in and like, um, yeah, I just need to keep like working and like uh, working on getting closer and closer to like, yeah, my interests and like time all aligning correctly, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't well, have a better answer for that. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I mean, that's that's like real life stuff, right? I mean, it's not like we, you know, we have the answer, like, you know, at every step uh, of, you know, of the process and stuff, right? Like not knowing is part of the process and that's something that I feel that you know most people should have conversations about so no I think that was perfect you know that that was well said I for one am really excited to see like you know what you're gonna end up doing next and stuff because I personally believe that like you know you're you're brilliant <laughs> you know you, you've done some like really cool some really cool work I feel like most of the things that I know about the research that you've done at USC has definitely been through Pete because, you know, he was very much well involved in stuff and him and I, you know, we, we got pretty close in that time. So yeah, no, I think things will work out for you, but at the same time, like, you know, I'm really happy to hear that, like you've gotten to a place where you feel pretty settled, like you feel like you are in control and that you can navigate and whatever direction that, uh, that you might you know settle upon so shouts out uh thanks yeah you're right it's like yeah i do feel like a little bit in control i'm like all right it's my call if i <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah the direction i go next yeah it's now, a really nice place to be yeah and i'm also looking forward to uh doing more of these uh talks with you um i think running this podcast together is gonna be uh one hell of a ride so once again thank you for embarking on this journey with me my pleasure once again that's it for us this week we hope that you guys enjoyed the episode please be sure to follow us on our social media pages for any of our upcoming updates until next time